Jesus' name, amen, and thank God. Once again, it's good to be here this morning. If you don't mind, put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Indeed, he is worthy to be praised. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the second, second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Amen when you have it. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse number seven, we'll read seven through ten. It says, But we have these treasure, this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. From this passage of scripture, we'd like to take for a thought, a treasure for troubled times. A treasure for troubled times. The author of this book is none other than the Apostle Paul. This is his second epistle that we have in our possession. And the reason why I say that is because it's believed that there were another epistle that were lost. This epistle was written in response to his first epistle that he wrote to this church at Corinthian. Paul loved this church. But he realized that after leaving this church, that this church had some problems and some issues. There were some internal struggles and divisions that were taking place at the church at Corinth. There were people that were picking sides and choosing sides. There were schisms that were developing within this church. And so Paul takes pen in hand and writes Corinthians 1. And he corrects a lot of the matters in which they had issues with. And he asked the question, he said, did Paul die for you? Did any of us die for you? Is Christ divided? Well, quite naturally, the word, the answer is no. Christ is not divided. As a matter of fact, what Christ comes to do is to unify us under the gospel message that he died, was buried, and rose again. That is the unifying message in Christendom. It does not matter what uh, denomination you're up underneath it. What unifies us is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians some other uh, issues that they were having with marriage and divorce. He deals with the, the matter of incest. In other words, a man having his father's wife. And the letter is really scathing. It's problematic to the people. 
But amazingly, the Corinthian church listened to Paul. And so Paul takes now an opportunity to write this second epistle to them, which takes on a more pleasant tone. Paul starts out 2 Corinthians talking about the God of all comfort, that God is able to comfort us. But then he gets here to chapter number four, and he deals with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And understand that, that, that that's the only thing that's really going to help anybody that is in trouble is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, we can give them resources, we can feed them physical food, we can put shelter over their head, but the reality of it is that you must have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul realized that, yes, even in his day, it was a difficult matter because Paul realized that he was, up on, uh, uh, he was going against uh, opposing forces that was the devil himself. Because he said that if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to them which are blind. But notice what he said that he does not see uh, you know, physical blindness. He said they have been blinded in their minds. In other words, that, that, that these people will not even be able to comprehend. Why? Because the devil has put blinders on their minds. And I, and I, and I, and I come to see that today in our world today. Is that the gospel is being preached. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the gospel. There are enough of us that are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the problem is, is that the hearers, their minds have been blinded. And that's the reason why I say, because there are some things that come by us fasting and praying. And so before we go out and go out into the vineyards, we need to already be fasting and praying. And listening for God to, to tell us and give us wisdom how we're to do this. Because in our own strength, in our own ability, we are in no match for Satan at all. But because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, because we have the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ living inside of us, Satan cannot stand against that. So that's why I implore you to make sure that your conduct and your character is that of which the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you. That you are a demonstration of what Christian living really looks like. How can we take a gospel to someone where we're not even living the gospel ourselves? How, how, how can we be an example to a people when we're all messed up ourselves? And if there was ever a time that this world and, yes, the church is in trouble, it's right now. For in the church, we have far too many churches that have abandoned the gospel message. But understand, the Bible says that the gospel message is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the only way that that gospel really is manifested is that it changes your life. Because that's what it's designed to do. It is a life-changing gospel. It was never intended for you to live this life the same way you did before you were introduced to the gospel. 
gospel changed my life. It changed the whole standard for everything that I viewed in life when I compared it to the gospel message. Because the gospel message tells us that we need to humble ourselves to a place of being a servant of the Most High God. Because that's what Christ came to do. He came to serve and to give him life a ransom. And this is the same thing that the gospel that we receive ought to be doing in our lives. Now understand this, that if you're doing this right, if you're living the gospel right, there's going to be some problems. There's going to be some situations. There's going to be some folk that just don't like you because of the gospel's sake. But understand this, don't you give up. Because that's exactly where you need to be at. Listen, that's the best place for you to be effective at is when people are beating up on you for the gospel's sake. Because they don't have any other way of, of getting at you. You see, because we got the, the gospel that I'm living, them little fiery darts that you're throwing at me don't mean nothing. Why? Because I got the whole arm of God on. I'm protected, baby. I'm, there, there's nothing you can do to me. God has protected me. He has shielded me. Why? Because of the gospel that I have living in me. And I don't get me wrong, there's going to be some time that you'll feel the effects of what folk do to you. You'll feel them. They, 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 they're going to be there. Just like Jesus felt every whip that they whipped him with. We are not excused from that. We are not excused from hardship. We're not excused from feeling pain. But the reality of the matter is that God has promised that he'll be there with us even in the difficult times. So no matter what you're going through, God is still right there with you. No matter what they say about you, the Lord is still right there with you. He promised that he'll never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. And if you're being persecuted for the cause of Christ, good. That's where we ought to be at. But understand, if ain't nobody saying nothing, if you're just blending in, there's no persecution. You, you, you go along to get along. Because the gospel will cause you to go against the current. The gospel is against everything that this world system has set up. And when we begin to see things that we know that are totally out of order and ungodly, we need to be standing against it. Why? Because of the gospel's sake. Paul preaches this gospel. But not only does Paul preach this gospel, Paul lives this gospel. Paul, Paul, Paul said that I gave up everything for the cause of Christ. I, I gave up everything that I might be able to be a disciple of Christ. And understand that none of us not a one of us in this building has ever suffered as much as Jesus or Paul has suffered for the cause of Christ. So it beckons to me, what, what, what is our problem with this? Have we become too spoiled? Have we become too settled in, in, our, in our complacency? Have we become too comfortable? Because it's going to come. 
difficult times, difficult measures are going to come. Paul in this text, he says, he said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is this treasure? This treasure is the gospel message. That everyone that is born again, born of the spirit of God, have a, has a treasure that's deep down inside of you. It's in these earthen, weakened vessels. The contrast here is that you have a treasure in a worthless clay pot. And that's each and every one of us. We're all made from the dust of the ground. And we're all going to return to the dust of the ground. And tell me, what is dirt selling for these days? You can go out to your backyard and dig up some dirt. Don't cost you nothing. These earthen vessels are not really valuable. They're just holding and containing that which is valuable. And so it's not in us as the vessels. It's not our responsibility to save anyone. We are just sowers of God's word. That's what you, you, you remember the sto story of the sower and the seed? How, how, how much does that passage talk about the sower? It doesn't. It doesn't even talk about how he sows. Whether he throws right-handed or left-handed, it does not say. All it says is that he sows a seed. Why? Because it's not about the sower. It is not about you or me. But it's about the seed, which is God's word. It is the truth of God's word. And that's what we're responsible for, is to sow the seed in the people's lives. But to give increase comes by the Lord Jesus Christ. One man sowed, one man planted, but God gives the increase. And so we're just these earthen vessels, these clay pots that has a treasure within us. The issue here is that in order for them to get the treasure, the clay pot must be broken. There's a level of brokenness that we're going to go through to get this gospel out. And I know, I know, I know we don't, we don't want to suffer. We don't want to suffer anything. But here he said that, that we have these earthen vessels that the excellency and the power of God is in, is in God, but not in us. But we got to get it out. And so Paul used what's known as a contrasting metaphors to let them know the struggles that they would face in presenting the gospel message. That there's going to be some struggles. That there's going to be some people who will not believe what you say. There will be some feet. As a matter of fact, most people will reject it. Because as I can recall, I rejected the gospel the first time I heard it. But God was persistent. And he already knew that he had chosen me before the foundations of the earth to be in Christ Jesus. And so therefore, when it came back, I, I surrendered. Eventually, I surrendered to the gospel message. Because I realized that there was power in this message. That it was not even about the person that gave me the message. It was about the message itself. 
And so Paul uses this and let them know that there's going to be troubling times for preaching the gospel, for living the gospel, for a demonstration of the gospel. In verse 8, he says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Here, 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 the, the word trouble in the Greek actually means to be pressed. It really is a, like a wine press. you got to press the grapes in order to get the goods out of it. And there are times that God's going to have to let you get pressed and come up underneath some pressure that not only will the gospel message get out, but you will be made even the better. Because of the, of the persecution and difficulties that we are refined in Christ Jesus. It's what makes us better. And I know that you don't want to suffer, but if Christ suffered, what's your problem? If we're going to be Christians, we're going to have some problems. We're going to come up underneath pressure. Because all good things are developed under pressure. Diamonds are made under pressure. It's the pressure that creates the gem. And there's a gem in you. And it's taking this pressure that we might be able to release what God has given us. That we might be able to demonstrate it. He said that trouble is on every side, but we're not distressed. In other words, we're not brought to the brink of hopelessness. The word there for distress actually means be brought to the brink of hopelessness. In other words, you don't lose hope. You always have that hope, that blessed hope that God comes to give us. He is our blessed hope. And we're to always put our trust in him. We're to always put our faith in him. That yes, even during troubling times, God is still with us. As a matter of fact, Job said that a man that is born of a woman is of a few days but full of trouble. Trouble is on every side. And I don't know about you, but there's been times that it seemed like trouble was surrounding me, all around me. Didn't know where my help was going to come from, but as the psalmist says, I will look to the hills from which cometh my help. All of my help comes from the Lord. So in difficult times, in stressful situations, look to Jesus. Why? Because he is the author and the finisher of your faith. And this trouble comes for a reason and for a purpose. That God might be able to refine you. Like pure gold. There's time that we have to go in the furnace and be refined. It's hot in there. But you come out better. You come out pure. That's, the, that's what God has for us. And that's why we're to make certain that this is the, the path that God wants us on. I don't know about you, but this is, this is where God has me. I'm saying yes and amen unto God. I'm ready for you, Lord. I'm waiting on, on, on my assignment, my next assignment. God, I need to hear from you. I'm tired of following my own ways. I need to hear from you. So he says that, yes, you, 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 you have trouble on every side. You, you, you have this pressure, but you're not destroyed. You're not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not brought to a place of hopelessness or despair. The second one he used, he said, we are perplexed, but not in despair. 
the word perplexed actually means to be confused. And understand that if you listen to many of preachers nowadays, if you listen to too many of them, you can become confused. Because it seems that in the body of Christ, people are saying so many different things. That there's no real consistency in the gospel message anymore. Men want to add to it or take away from it. But God's word says what it says and it means what it means. And there is nobody on this green earth that has the authority to change any of it. Because it's God's unadulterated word. And thy word is true. The word of God is true. So, so, so don't let them perplex you. Don't let them confuse you. He said, and you won't be in despair. Despair, despondent, heartbroken. And understand, listen, let me tell you something. You know, and I've talked to several Christians that are ashamed to let people know the things in which they're going through. And I'm going to let you know today, I have no problems with letting you know if I got some issues, if I got some problems. But before I come to you, I'm going to God first. I know, I know that there's, there, 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 there's, there's good counsel in people. There, there, there's people that can give you good counsel. But the greatest counsel comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the number one one that can fix every bout of depression, every bout of weariness that you have. The essence of it is is that don't give up in well-doing. You may be perplexed. You may be confused, but don't give up. Keep the hope. Keep hope alive. Keep the hope there. Why? Because God is our hope. And understand that your situation can and will get better in Christ Jesus. Because even if my circumstances and my situations take me out of here, I got a home in glory. I got a home that's not made by hands. I got a home that Jesus is the author and he's the one that's fixing and the architect of my home. So, 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 so for me to leave this earth is a promotion as Paul puts it. So yeah, I may get a little perplexed, but understand that I am not in despair. And then here's the other one. The third one is that he talks about being persecuted but not forsaken. Understand that the other two are incidences that happen just because of life. But this one here, this word persecuted, means to chase or to run someone down. This is, this is, this, this is the epitome of what Paul was before he was a Christian. Because Paul ran down Christians and persecuted them and desired to kill them. So in other words, what Paul is telling us that just like I did this to the church in which I had become the chief of sinners, been saved, baptized, and, and been filled with God's Holy Spirit, now he's warning us that there are people out there that are going to chase you down, that are going to persecute you. But you need to rest assured that God hasn't forsaken you, that, that, that God has not abandoned you. It's good to know that you got someone 
in whom you can run into their arms, in the arms of safety, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah, Satan, you may get after me. I may get a little fearful. But I'm running into the arms of Jesus. I'm running into the arms of somebody who can do something about my circumstance and my situation. Because I found out that man can't do nothing about my circumstances in my life. You see, because, because man cannot give you a good night's sleep. Man cannot give you peace. Man cannot comfort you the way the Lord Jesus Christ comforts us. There's something that only God can do. We need to understand that and recognize that. We're all going to face our difficulties. We're all going to face those who will persecute us, who will scandalize our name, who will stab us, yes, even in our backs. But even in the midst of this, we know that God is still on the throne. God is still sitting high and looking low. God sees everything that you're up against. He sees every challenge that is coming in your way. God knows and he cares. God is standing by. And he's waiting on you to turn to him. You're going to be persecuted. You'll be chased down. But know that God is there. The fourth one he says, cast down, but not destroyed. To be cast down means exactly that. To be discarded. To be told that you're worthless. That, you're, that, 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 that what you believe does not matter. But understand that you cannot destroy that which is perfect. You cannot destroy the gospel in which God has put place in us. Listen here, you can talk about me all that you want. You can come at me as much as you want to, but you cannot destroy the gospel that's living inside of me. You can't destroy this treasure that I have inside of me. You can kill the body, but you can do absolutely nothing about my soul. Why? Because my soul has been saturated in the gospel of Jesus Christ. My soul has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's absolutely nothing you can do with that. You may cast me down, but you'll never be able to destroy me. Because I'm on God's side. I'm a child of the king. I belong to the king. And what kind of king would it be if he let people come in and just destroy our lives? No, 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 no. There's a divine protection that God has for his children that he has for you, that he has for me. And understand, if we have these treasures in earthen vessels, we need to start acting like it and understanding that we didn't just get here just by our own good works. We got here because of what God did. It was God's decision to save us, to bring us unto repentance. And if God has done that for us, we have a responsibility to share this gospel, to let the light of God's gospel shine throughout this world. That's our responsibility. Because Jesus did it for us. And understand, Jesus did the bulk of the work. It was him that did the work. I know, I know that you probably thought that you had something to do with you being saved, but you had absolutely nothing to do with that. Because all salvation is, is, is by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
If the Holy Spirit did not convict your heart and did not regenerate you, you'd still be lost in your sin, and so would I. But it's all a result of what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago when he came down through 42 generations, wrapped in flesh, laid in a manger, raised and, 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 taken, and, 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 and taken to Calvary's cross. Yes, they marched him to Calvary's cross. They led him up Calvary's cross. He came to die. He did not come to do his own will, but he came to do the will of the Father. He came to do the will of the Father, and that is to give his life as a ransom for those who are lost. Jesus said that I came to save those who are sick. I didn't come for the well. I didn't come for the, 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 the well to do. I came for those who could not do for themselves. I came to give my life for them. It's the only price that could have been paid was by Jesus Christ. There's absolutely no other death that could have paid that, that, that price but the price of Jesus Christ. It's the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross. He shed his blood for you. He shed his blood for me. Suffer blood and died. Hung on the tree between his father in heaven and his mother on earth. Hung between two thieves. They took him off that cross, put him in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. He died for us. This is the gospel message that we are to live and to present. This is the gospel message that we are to give to this world. And if we're not doing it, then we're not fulfilling what God has for us to feel, fulfill in his great commission. We need to take this to them. But he's sitting at the right hand side of God, making intercession for us. In other words, Jesus is praying for you. Because the accuser, the devil, is coming and accusing you every little thing you do. But Jesus said that I died for that sin. I died for that. I died that he might be forgiven, that she might be forgiven. I died for that one, Lord. He's our advocate with the Father. He's making this. But he's coming back again. Yeah, yeah, we're waiting for him. He's going to crack the sky. He's going to come back. He's going to rapture his church off the earth. And I'm just waiting. But until he comes, I'll continue to work. I'll continue to do what he's told me to do. I'll continue to preach and live the gospel of Jesus Christ. I won't stop. I won't give up. I won't lose faith. I won't lose heart. Why? Because he's done too much for me. He sacrificed too much for me. He's coming back. He's going to set up his kingdom for a thousand year reign here on earth. And we're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he said, if you suffer with me, you shall also reign with me. This is a treasure for troubled times. Troubling times. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open.